Yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Rivers gives to Sproles, angling left. Has got room. It. 15, 10, 5. Jackpot! He got it! He got it! He got it! The play should have been ruled a fumble. Ha <laughs> ha Touchdown, Antonio Gates! 112 career touchdown catches. That's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that if people would have figured it out, I'd just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. Let's go! We are back! It's the Score More podcast, everybody. Here to wrap up free agency and all the big moves that happened yesterday. I want to get on here this morning and talk to you about my thoughts on what the Chargers did so far this offseason and through free agency. And for those of you that don't know, I did the podcast covering the Trey Turner-Russell Okung trade. So won't be talking about that today, but you can go to the previous episode to go listen to that. What's up, Score Morons? At Score More Pod is the Twitter handle. I'm probably just going to drop these podcasts when I feel inspired to do so. So no warning. I think I'm just going to do it. So go subscribe or go follow the podcast or whatever. We might do something weekly during the season. But for now, while news just kind of trickles in, we'll just release them when we feel like it. Also, we're all quarantined. You know your boy's got the studio here in the house. So I'm sitting here by myself. Why not talking to a microphone? Because maybe it helps somebody? I don't know. Maybe this is my small part of contributing here while everybody's locked down. So hey! We're back. So let's talk about it. Trey Turner, of course. Trey Turner trade, you heard that. That was the beginning of the offseason. Covered that in the last episode. But shortly after I released the episode, the Chargers extended Austin Eckler. He got a four-year, $24.5 million deal. And we're going to be talking about contracts with all these new free agents. And just a big kudos, big shout-out. I've been saying it for years. But Tom Telesco, Ed McGuire are masters at formulating these contracts every time there's a contract it doesn't seem like they ever really overpay for guys i mean they've missed on guys like travis benjamin and orlando franklin and so on but the deals usually seem pretty fair i just want to say that they're doing it again this offseason and they always give themselves that ripcord there's always an out so if it doesn't work out they can release them now does tom telesco release them when they could usually not usually a year or two too late but in this case the contracts always look good. So for Austin Eckler, four years, $24.5 million. They front load it. They've got a potential out in 2022. This could turn into a two-year 13.75, I think, million dollar deal. Yeah, two years, $13.75 million. They can get rid of them and be free of Austin Eckler in 2022-2023. We all don't expect that happening. But as it goes down the line, they can cut him and save a lot of money. They do it all up front, give them about, they're going to have a dead cap of $13.75 million in 2020, but in 2022, they got an out. So these all the contracts of these free agents are beautiful. Great to have Austin Eckler back. Uh, he deserved the contract. As of now, Melvin Gordon can't find any suitors, and it was just reported that Melvin Gordon is not finding the market that he thought he would have, and he's nowhere near the... $10 million that were rumored to be suggested during the offseason. That's according to Mike Garofalo. You know, he wanted Todd Gurley money. And of course, he's being traded. He wanted David Johnson money. He just got traded. Gurley's on the market. David Johnson's gone to the Texans. 
Le'Veon Bell, I'm sure, soon. But all these high-paid running backs, already out the door. He wanted top-end money, not even getting it. Chargers dodge a huge bullet here because if they would have paid him that $10 million, they would have had Melvin Gordon for a couple more years, and they wouldn't have been able to sign these excellent free agents that they were able to just make a run on yesterday. So they are really able to skirt that issue a little bit. Not by their own doing, by the way. They offered him $10 million. I don't think he deserved that annually. I guess that's okay, but I wouldn't have gone that high. They did. Doesn't matter. Gordon didn't accept, and it doesn't look like the Chargers are going to re-sign Melvin Gordon as of now. So Austin Eckler back on the roster. He's under contract for four more years. Could be a two-year deal. They have an out. So then let's talk about these outside free agents because this is where the fun begins. So you go out to lunch. You come back. It's about 1 o'clock here on the West Coast. And you hear about the Chargers signing Brian Balaga. Right tackle from the Packers. It's a three-year, $30 million deal. Huge for the Chargers. They get help on the right side. Sam Tebby obviously was not the answer. Now they've got one of the best right tackles in the NFL. He was the right tackle for a decade over in Green Bay. I got another veteran presence, and now a strong right side of the line. You've got Brian Balog at right tackle, Trey Turner at right guard. So having a three-year, $30 million deal is much below I would have expected Balaga to get. I thought Brian Balaga was going to go for a little bit more than three-year, $30 million. I thought he was going to be in the $11, $12 million range. I guess it's somewhat close, but Chargers get a deal here. Balaga's obviously 30, so he's here for three years, or at least he's under contract for three years. I don't have the details on that one yet. We don't know how that money's spread out, but we know for the rest of the guys, Balaga's the only guy I don't have info on yet. But Brian Balaga got three years, $30 million, just like the Dolphins gave Eric Flowers and the New York Jets gave George Fant. So if you think about the value and money there, now he didn't get Jack Conklin money, obviously, because he was going to be getting that and uh, much younger, a different situation. But Eric Flowers, George Fant are so significantly worse than Brian Balaga, yet they're getting paid the same amount of money. Eric Flowers, now I know everybody thinks he's a disaster, and you're looking at that Giants highlight where he's trying to trip a guy off the edge as a left tackle, um, and it's terrible. But he did much better last year than he did any year in New York. I thought he was okay with the Redskins, but handing out $10 million per season for a bet on Flowers not being bad again is a little steep for me. George Fant, nowhere near that money. George Fant always felt like a middle-of-the-road offensive lineman, even when I watched uh, some of these tackles for free agency coming up. His name was floated a little bit. Uh, Not a guy I would have taken a chance on. They didn't. They took a chance on the best right tackle on the market, uh, one of the best offensive tackles out there right now as a free agent. So they went out and got their guy, secure the right side of their line. They've got him under contract for three years, a veteran presence, one of the best right tackles in football, a real steady player. On top of all that, Blaga is reunited with James Campen, who is the Chargers' new offensive line coach, formerly of the Packers. So you got some familiarity there. Excellent pickup by the Chargers. You couldn't be more excited about getting Brian Blaga. And you think... Chargers are done. They made their big acquisition. You know, we're not going to see any big names go off the board from here on out. But then they pick up a defensive tackle. They cut Brandon Meebane this offseason. So they are very, very thin on the inside. They pick up Linval Joseph, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. He's also in his 30s. He's 31. 
It was a two-year, $17 million deal. And again, they give themselves an out. This could turn into a one-year, $9.5 million deal. They've got an out in 2021. So if things don't work out, out the door next year. But Linvel Joseph today is much better than Brandon Meebane was the day they picked Meebane up in free agency. He is a much better upgrade in the interior of the offensive line. A very, very good run stuffer. Can get after the quarterback still. Uh, He had a down year last year uh, while watching him in 2019. 18-17, great. But taking the chance on a veteran again on the inside when you've got young guys like Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, Cortez Broughton. You've got some young guys inside. You got a veteran presence again. You lose one of Brandon Meebane. Now you bring in Joseph, who is much better than Meebane was when he had lightning bolts on his helmet. So having a guy like Linville Joseph is huge. Having the veteran presence is good for the locker room. I know that's important to Telesco, not so much me, but a great presence on the inside. Again, I'm surprised that he can still get after the quarterback. Very good run stuffer, very disciplined while creating push on the interior of that line. Offensive tackle, defensive tackle, two of the biggest needs for the Chargers, not including quarterback, obviously. I think Tyrod Taylor kind of pushes that down the line a little bit in terms of need as of right now in free agency. But you see that you're getting Linvel Joseph, Brian Balaga, and then they go out and grab a corner. It is Chris Harris, formerly of the Broncos, two years, $17 million. With incentives, it could be $19.5 million. And again, they give themselves an out in 2021. Chris Harris, like Linville Joseph, had a down year last year in 2019. But the big question is, where is he going to play? Is he going to play outside? Is he going to play inside? I think Chris Harris is playing outside. I don't think there's really a question of him playing inside. I know he played in the slot a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, Most of it, the majority of it, was outside with the Broncos. And he's always been a top five corner. He took a dip last year in 2019, much like Linville Joseph did, betting on these high upside veterans here. So Chris Harris becomes an outside corner with Casey Hayward, Des King being on the inside. Now, Des King is a free agent next offseason. So what they could do is kick Chris Harris inside starting in 2021, have Casey Hayward outside, get another corner or draft a corner and groom them for the following season. So they do have a backup plan if Des King, say, is out of their price range or they can't afford to bring him back when you've got these other contracts you got to get going because Hunter Henry was a franchise tag. you got to get Joey Bosa a contract. There are Keenan Allen coming up. There's a lot of guys that you got to get contracts and hand out money for, so not everybody's going to get one. If Des King is pricing himself out of the Chargers range, they've got a fallback plan. They've got Chris Harris now for 2021. So if that doesn't work out, they could let Des King walk. But for now, in 2020, you've got a secondary with Hayward on one side, Harris on the other. You've got Des King on the inside in slot. You've got Derwin James, of course, playing strong safety and kind of Roman. And that free safety, everybody's talking about Nasir Adderley, and that'd be amazing. But right now it's Rayshon Jenkins. Anthony Lynn's really high on Rayshon Jenkins. He said he was one of the better players last year, which isn't true, but he's hyping up his players, which is fine. Hopefully that battle works itself out in camp, but that's a pretty good secondary. And I think it does help with better rushers on the inside. Now, I know Denver had good rushers, but not so much last year where Harris took his dip. And then also you've got better help on the outside with Casey Hayward on one side, and you've got Des King on the slot. I think... You're looking at a bounce-back year here for Chris Harris. I don't think he lost a lot. I think some of the speeds kind of zapped out of him a little bit. I do want to say that he didn't play great last year. 
I think it was probably his worst year to date. But like I said a little bit earlier, Telesco's banking on the high upside of these veterans. So bet on a guy like Limvel Joseph. Bet on one of the corners that is quietly one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. I've always been a fan of Chris Harris. I've always said, and I keep saying, and I didn't look good last year, but Chris Harris is a top five corner, and nobody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about all the big-name cornerbacks and Jalen Ramsey and Richard Sherman and everybody else, but Chris Harris has always been a top-five corner. I don't think he was last year, and I want to go on record as saying that, but how can you not bet on a guy like Chris Harris? He's in the division, and to top it all off, Chris Harris got a bigger deal from the Raiders. He turned down that deal with the Raiders to go with the Chargers because he liked the defense better. So you grab Chris Harris and steal him away from the Broncos, who now or short corner. You steal from another division rival, the Raiders, who then have to settle for Eli Apple. Now that's amazing. I mean, it's a win-win-win, you know, all across the board. Chargers get their corner, Denver loses one, Raiders lose one, and now you've got a secondary that can compete with, hopefully, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know? You got to go through the Chiefs. You got to win the division. The only way you're going to do that is get better on defense and try to stop Patrick Mahomes. They're working on it. Getting Linville Joseph, huge Getting Brian Balaga, huge. Getting Chris Harris, huge. How many times can I say huge? A lot. <laughs> so really, really good signings and names everybody recognizes. So they're going to be really happy about it. And fans are really ecstatic about it. But you do have to take into consideration. I'm not being buzzkill. But just just know that you've got a 30-year-old Brian Balaga. You've got Linville Joseph, who's 31. You've got Chris Harris, who's 30. So these are all guys that are on the downslope of their careers. You've also got Casey Hayward, who's up there too. He's 30 as well. So you've got two old guys on the outside, essentially. Quote-unquote old guys. 30's not old. But, you know, in football years, after 30, they start to go off a cliff a little bit. Most players do, at least. So you've got two 30-year-old corners on the outside. But even with the age, these three players are significant upgrades. Brian Balaga is a significant upgrade over Sam Tevy. Linville Joseph is a significant upgrade over Brandon Meebane, even if he's still on the roster. He's not, so it makes it even better. Chris Harris is a significant upgrade over Michael Davis as the cornerback, too. Telesco did the right thing. He bought himself some time in big areas of need, and he did it the right way. He went about it building from the inside out. And I don't know how many times I've said it here on this podcast— how many times I've said it on the Light Round podcast? How many times I've said it on Twitter? How many times I've shouted at my neighbors about it? How many times I've just yelled at a guy at a grocery store? I've always said, build from the inside out. That's what smart teams do. They always do. And the Chargers did it. They got better on their offensive line. They got Trey Turner. They've got Brian Balaga. They got better on defense, going with Linville Joseph on the inside, who's going to help the run game tremendously on the inside. Then you go on the outside at corner in a position of need. So they took care of some really, really big needs this offseason. Now, I talked about one bullet they dodged earlier, which is Melvin Gordon, because if he's getting $10 million, you're not getting Chris Harris or Linville Joseph. But they dodged a second bullet in that they went after Tom Brady, but he chose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Signing Tom Brady would have meant that he wanted two years, $60 million, and I think he got that from the Bucs. So, you know, assume that he's getting $30 million, and they were able to spend basically $30 million on three high-end, talented positions of need in Brian Balaga, Linville Joseph, Chris Harris. See what I'm saying? 
they wouldn't have had they wouldn't have been able to get any of these guys. They might be able to squeeze in Brian Belaga if they move some pieces around, or maybe Linville Joseph and Chris Harris. It all depended on what the contracts were, if players were able to take a discount because they liked playing with Brady or whatever they wanted to do. They weren't getting the players they wanted if they would have signed Melvin Gordon and got Tom Brady. Neither happened. Tom Telesco went the right way, did the right thing. And this was all foreign to everybody. Nobody thought the Chargers brass would go in like this. Not that they went all in. I mean, they didn't go after the top, top free agents. But Brian Balaga was definitely, if not upper, upper echelon, just below that. Just a tick below that. Because he was definitely one of the best offensive tackles in free agency. And another point I want to make about Tom Telesco is that, I mean, all in all honesty, you look at this offseason and you go, what the hell has Tom Telesco been doing? And everybody said, oh, well, Telesco's been hamstrung by Rivers' contract, so now he's got enough money to go out and spend. And that's just not true. I mean, I went into it, and in 2016, Telesco had $30 million in cap space. He's had a lot of cap space, but it just hasn't worked out, and he's never really gone in like this. Now, he went out and got Orlando Franklin, which was a big deal, and I wasn't against the move when it happened, and I thought, you got to help Phillip Rivers, and you got to get an offensive line. Rivers, by the way, signing a one-year deal with the Colts, so no longer with the Chargers, which is obviously sad for everybody. Time to move on, and we'll talk about the quarterback situation in a minute, but don't think because Rivers always had a big deal, which he deserved and nobody should complain about, that Tom Telesco could never go in in free agency because he absolutely could have, and he absolutely did not. Not like this offseason, but what he did this offseason was amazing. We're moving forward. But guys, when you got a guy like Philip Rivers, you got to go all in at one point, and he never did. And that was a problem. So 2020, it is now about the draft. They can still make some moves in free agency. Hopefully they don't go with any running backs or wide receivers. I know they need a RB1 because Austin Eckler last year didn't carry the load. They don't believe he could carry the load. I think he can, but regardless... They could definitely get a veteran linebacker here in free agency. They could definitely double dip and get another defensive tackle because that whole big season Justin Jones was supposed to have last year, that breakout campaign that they had leading all the way up to 2019, fell flat. Jerry Tillery, nowhere near the draft value that everybody thought he was, did not play up to par. So you've got two guys who are struggling. You could definitely add another veteran defensive tackle. But now at number six for the Chargers... Uh, and again, I would get, this wide receiver class is so deep, I would wait till at the earliest round two. I, I definitely not six, but you know, round two and on, you can find a lot of good value for a wide receiver three in this draft. This is a really, really deep wide receiver class and a lot of good players. So uh, no on wide receivers in free agency, no running backs in free agency. I'm sh- you can find another one too in the draft later on. But here we go, number six. Everybody's talking about, uh, is it going to be a quarterback? Uh, you wait on quarterback till round two. Do you go offensive tackle with six? Do you go with a linebacker at six? And, of course, there are open positions. Left tackle is Trey Pipkins right now and nobody else. Trent Scott, maybe, but I wouldn't go with either of those two. It's got to be some kind of competition. So, yes, they should draft a left tackle. Uh, yes, they should draft a linebacker unless they grab one in free agency. But the thing that's being weighed right now is 
Do you go with a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who's a superstar and would absolutely accelerate this defense in that one missing piece that could put this defense over over the top? It's it's really good right now, but Isaiah Simmons would put it over the top. Or do you draft a quarterback? I would not be upset with Isaiah Simmons at six. He is an unbelievable player, and the versatility with Isaiah Simmons and Derwin James would be amazing. I mean, being able to switch with those two would be bananas. You could do so much with that defense. We're not even talking about what Gus Bradley would do with that defense, but the possibilities are somewhat endless with guys that could play so many different spots, like Derwin James, Isaiah Simmons. Yes, it would make that defense amazing. And you're competing against like Patrick Mahomes in that Kansas City offense. So while that's appealing... Not grabbing a quarterback at six, how this team is structured now, it would be an absolute waste to me. An absolute waste. Their defense is good on paper now without Simmons. In fact, if they went out and if they re-signed Adrian Phillips to another low-end deal like they did last year, that's still really good. And that defense is very good. Could it be great with Isaiah Simmons? Absolutely. But with Adrian Phillips, it's very good. That would mean that you're going to draft a guy like Jalen Hurts in the second round and or roll with Tyrod Taylor as your starting quarterback. Now, if you've got a great defense, like the Chargers would with Isaiah Simmons, but you got Tyrod Taylor, who clearly is nothing more than a above-average quarterback, not a good one, but a little bit above-average to average quarterback that can't move the football, your team's going to fall flat. And Jalen Hurts is not the answer to me. I love the guy. I want him to succeed. I don't want him near the Chargers. As much as I've watched him, there's too much back and forth with him. He's too up and down. I think his highs are really high and his lows are really, really, really low, which is how I feel about Jordan Love too, but that's another story. For me right now, today, the day after all these moves, they have put themselves in a situation to trade up in the draft. And for me, it's Tua or bust. Chargers won't get Burrow. Cincinnati's taking him number one. That's locked in. Chase Young locked in at number two with the Redskins. The Lions just traded Darius Slay, and it seems like they'd get Okuda at three. Is that his name? Did I say his name right? I might not have. Honestly, I've been watching him, and I've been listening to a lot of music, So, and I'm not doing these draft podcasts, so I don't really know how to pronounce these guys' names yet, but... It's the corner. If the corner is going three to the Lions, you'd think you could make a pretty good swap with the Lions, and they could still get their corner at six, and you can move up to three. Now, the Chargers do not have a package anywhere near what Miami could offer, and that's why I've been saying the best case for me this offseason would be Brady goes to Tampa Bay. Check that off the list. It's not official, but it's official. Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. Done. Number two, Miami grabs Cam Newton. Now, the Panthers just got Teddy Bridgewater, so Carolina has no leverage to trade Cam Newton. Everybody knows that they're going to release Cam Newton. Cam Newton's gone public with it, so he's out the door, so Miami could pick him up. Miami has Cam Newton. Will they still get a quarterback? Probably, but maybe they can wait till day two to get one. Maybe they can grab Jordan Love if he falls to the second, or Jalen Hurts or somebody else. And you've got a rookie and Cam Newton. That would mean Miami doesn't need a quarterback. 
Tua falls to six, but I don't think you could chance it. If you're waiting on a quarterback, you're going to end up with Justin Herbert, and I am not a fan of Justin Herbert. I've mentioned it. I think he's a very middle-of-the-road NFL quarterback. I think he could be about above average. I think, to me, he looks like Ryan Tannehill, and I don't mean to disparage anybody there, and I hate comps, but Ryan Tannehill's offense went off of Derrick Henry. He made enough throws when you have to, but you took the pressure off Tannehill to make any of those throws. He made a few, obviously. Tennessee was great last year, and he deserved the extension he got, and everybody's rooting for his success because that was a bad situation in Miami, but he reminds me of Ryan Tannehill, and I don't think Herbert's got a great future in the NFL. Tua... I know he's injury prone, and I know that's a big argument, and I get it. But you cannot ignore what he's done on the field. And though he's been injury prone, to me, is the best option for the Chargers at number six. So I'm Tua or bust. I love Simmons, but then you're settling for Tyrod Taylor and or Jalen Hurts, and that's not good enough to get it done, in my opinion. I think you get two in the first, then you start working on your left tackle in the second round. Also... You can make the connection here, too. Chargers bolster up the right side of their line. That's technically to his blind side because he's left-handed. So if you're trying to protect your rookie quarterback's blind side, you'd want to bring on and bolster up the right side of your line. And also, by creating all this veteran presence now through free agency, it's a really good system for a rookie quarterback to thrive having all these talented veterans around him. I'll probably go more in depth during the draft season on my feelings on quarterbacks. I mean, you get the gist of it. I'm not a fan of Hertz or Love or Herbert at six. I'm a fan of Tua, and that's why it's Tua or bust. Also, in terms of a offensive tackle, I'd pass on an offensive tackle in the first round, too. I think you are not going to get this high of a draft pick in a while. Tyrod Taylor is just good enough to keep the Chargers at worst, you know, a top 10 pick. And I just don't see them getting this close to a top five pick in a long time unless they get their stuff together. I mean, this could go downhill fast, but if they're looking to turn it around with these veterans like they did in free agency, they got to go up and get Tua, in my opinion. Tua or bust. That's where I'd go in the draft. Okay? I woke up this morning and didn't even know I was going to do a podcast. But I am. Here I am. Thanks, guys. That's it for me. Two or a bust. Good job, Tom Telesco. Uh, I don't know if I can write off everything else he's done up to this point. And the fact that he didn't help Philip Rivers out still kind of chaps my ass a little bit. But he got it done. And so did I. We'll see you guys. At ScoreMorePod is the Twitter handle. I'll see you guys next time. And let's just hope the Chargers can score more free agents. And draft two at six. See ya!